We all need to ask ourselves, who are we loyal to? Where does my loyalty lie? Do I confess Jesus before men? Do I keep quiet and agree by inaction or omission? What do I say around a braai or dinner table when questions come up of Jesus, of hell and heaven, of sin, of eternity, of the church, politics, difficult issues in our day and age like abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism, sex before marriage, living together. What do we say when these things come up? Do we stand with the Word of God who is Jesus or do we just let people believe what they want and we don't confess Jesus in those difficult moments? Do not fear what man can do to your bodies. Fear the God who can destroy body and soul. Welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. We are, we are busy with a series uh, called Tethered, which is a relationship series. We've spoken about a relationship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And we've spoken about our relationship with our earthly fathers and how that relates to our relationship with God. And today, the message is entitled, Loyalty. It's a word that I felt God drop in my spirit as I was reading Matthew 10. And we're going to talk about that today. It's a, it is a challenging piece of scripture, um, but I'm trusting Holy Spirit to lead us to understand what we need to understand and how we apply it to our lives today. Our series scripture that you hopefully know off by heart by now is John 15 verse 1 to 4. I am the true vine, says Jesus, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Who wants to bear more fruit? I don't want to be pruned. It takes some pruning to get to where God wants you to be. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot be fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And we saw that abide means to remain, to stay continuously. How many of you know that when you, you stop abiding and you disconnect from God, you feel it in your life, you see it in what happens, amen? I would rather go through a difficult time while abiding in God than trying to do it on my own, my own strength. So two weeks ago, first of all, I just want to say, Thank you to Johandre Potgieter again for last week. What an incredible message. That was so powerful. If you missed him, please go and listen to it. We were, despite the power outage, we were able to capture his message. So please go and listen or watch that. Um, but yeah, we, two weeks ago, I spoke a message called Seed. And God broke open this word to us about how important it is for us to know that 
in the physical, we all come from corruptible seed. That's the seed of our earthly fathers. We saw that when it's corruptible, it means it is able to be corrupted. All right? But when we are born of God, when we become born again believers by receiving who Jesus is and what he has done, we then, according to John, earn the right to be called children of God. And by the spirit of adoption, we can cry out, as uh, Paul says in Romans, we can cry out, Abba, Father. We can call him Daddy. We can call him Father. And this means that our corruptible seed, our old self, our physical being, it dies and gives away to the incorruptible seed that's in Jesus. The seed is the word of God. The seed is Jesus. And Jesus speaks the word of incorruptible seed that brings our spirit beings to life. Because before time began, Jesus, the seed of life, was there and already knew us and he already created us. If you're not following me, you have to go and listen to that message. I explained it in a bit more detail. I felt God show me something this week about the word seed. Now, I love language and words and what it means. So I, and I love making puns. I like being funny. <laughs> Dad jokes is my breakfast. I love it. Um, but the word seed, S-E-E-D, is what we spoke about. But it has a homophone that is a similar sounding word. All right, for those who don't know what that means, to the word seed, C-E-D-E. And seed means to give up power or territory. It is actually a legal term for surrender. I cede all this to you when I sign away certain assets. I cede it to someone else. So we cede, C-E-D-E, to the seed, S-E-E-D, of life when we give our lives to Christ. Do you see that? Do you see that? Uh, you see, uh, once I get started, yeah. <laughs> but how cool is that? That's also a way for us to remember it, okay? When we are born again, we now live from our true spiritual identity, which gives us the ability and supernatural power to look at our physical inheritance of corruptible things, broken things, abuse, neglect, abandonment, etc. All the stuff that we may have received from our earthly father or mother. And this dysfunction of the world passed on through the generations. And know that that is not who we truly are. Let me say that again. If we are born again, and we know that I'm of incorruptible seed now, I can look at the corruptible background that I come from and no that's not who I am and it doesn't have to continue it can end with my generation amen we saw that and it helps us to forgive then our fathers and set them free so that we can bring an end to what could have been an endless cycle of sin and brokenness who wants to see that who wants to see families thriving as incorruptible seed passing on the word of God to their children and then see them do even better than they did I want to see that Amen. I'm going to just repeat these scriptures quickly. And the reason I'm doing this is this message of seed is actually also a foundational teaching for what we're going to talk about today. It, we get it from 1 Peter 1 from verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again. Not of corruptible seed, but 
incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And then it goes on to explain how our flesh will wither, but the word is, uh, will stand forever. The seed will stand forever. Galatians 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Who was baptized last Sunday? What a special time. It was so incredible. <laughs> there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is powerful stuff that we need to remember every day. All right, that brings me to today's message, loyalty. And uh, I'm going to give you a bit of a spoiler alert. Even though the focus will be on our loyalty to God, we are going to zoom in on relationships with parents and specifically mothers. Okay. Are you ready, moms? Today is your day. And how many moms are also daughters? All of you. All right. I'm going to give you a few definitions of loyalty. Loyal, to be loyal means giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance to someone or something. Showing firm and constant support. It also means uh, faithfulness is owed by duty or by a pledge or a promise. You've made a decision and says, I will be loyal and you stand by it. All right. Similar words to loyalty is faithful, true, true-hearted, tried and true, devoted, constant, steadfast, dependable, reliable, trusted, trustworthy, unchanging, unwavering, dedicated, committed, steady, unfailing. You get the idea? All right. What is not loyalty? Disloyalty. And to be treacherous. That's a strong word. Here's some famous quotes about loyalty. Loyalty is not about who acts true to your face. It's about who remains true behind your back. Loyalty is a decision, a resolution of the soul. Loyalty is the strongest glue that makes a relationship last a lifetime. And this is from Martin Luther King. He said, listen to this, In the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And this one from J.R.R. Tolkien, the guy who wrote Lord of the Rings, is also quite powerful. He says, Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. Faithless is he that says farewell when the road gets tough, basically. In addition... That something I want to add to these definitions and these thoughts and these quotes, I believe that true loyalty implies the uncompromising, single-minded focus of one's loyalty. For example, a husband to his wife. It should be uncompromising and single-minded focus on his loyalty to her. While you are loyal to the one, at the same time, it implies the total exclusion of anyone or anything else that wants to occupy that specific focus. For example, in a marriage, another woman. You, a man cannot be loyal to his wife and be loyal to another. 
That's not loyalty. Have you heard these guys say, yeah, I love both of them. <laughs> no, you don't. You love yourself and you hate them because you're treating them like, you know. In other words, loyalty to, to one means no loyalty to another. I think that's important to note. That loyalty is exclusive to where the focus is. All right. Okay, that brings us to our main scripture for today. Are you ready to read some Bible? Who's ready? Come on, stretch it out, stretch it out. Here we go. Matthew 10 from verse 16. Yo, when God gave me this, I'm like, really, Lord? This is a very difficult piece of scripture. <laughs> Jesus gets real and he gets straight. Are you ready? Buckle up. All right. Jesus is speaking to his disciples who he is sending out and he's giving them instructions. He says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Wow, thanks, Jesus. That's great pep talk. Therefore, because I'm sending you out in the midst of wolves, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how and what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of our Father who speaks in you. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Let's pick it up in verse 28. And do not fear, listen to this, Jesus is speaking. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Do not fear them. The average person is so afraid of death, so afraid of what people can do to them. Jesus says, don't. Okay. <laughs> but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. What? Did Jesus say that? Yes, he did. And I checked. It's the same in all the translations. And not two sparrows sold for a copper coin. Sorry. Uh, or not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Is there a different translation up there? Well, okay. And the, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, you are valuable. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Okay, it gets even more difficult. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I come to set man against his father and daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not 
worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. All right. I just had to break that tension a bit. This scripture is hectic. But remember, we are children of God. He has given us His Word. And the Bible, with the leading of the Holy Spirit, is where we learn how to do, how to worship God and how to do life. All right. So, I know that we are all challenged by those verses. Who has been to sermons where this has been preached? Anyone? Okay. Okay. I'm so glad. I'm not the first. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But these are not popular verses to preach on. And maybe, you, like me, you have questions about these verses. So let's, let's jump into the context of Matthew 10. Jesus is sending out his disciples two by two for the first time. And he says to them to go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. He tells them to not go to the Gentiles and the Samaritans. Why? Because the focus on the Gentiles only came after the cross. And Paul and Peter and all those guys, they, they were given that job. Or Paul actually was given the job to go to the Gentiles. This is not to say that Jesus didn't want the gospel to reach the Gentiles. But we read also from Paul's writing that the gospel is for the Jew first and then for the Gentile. So we can see that Jesus' heart here. Remember when he spoke to the one Samaritan woman that said, please, you know, bring this to us as well. Come and do this with us as well. And he said, I'm here for the children of the house of Israel. And she had that whole thing of, well, we will even eat the scraps off the table. And what the heart of Jesus is, is his people first. But the gospel is for everyone who will receive it. Anyway, so this... Um, oh, I wanted to add that this is also why we as a church support the organizations that bring the gospel in the Middle East to the Jews and the Arabs, because we believe that's Jesus' heart. Anyway, so Jesus is, as he is sending them out, he is telling them what to do, how to do it, what hardships to expect, and how to handle those hardships. So he's a great leader of men. He is telling them exactly what's going to happen. And then he tells them, if you come to a place, he says, don't take anything with you. They will take care of you. And if they don't take care of you, and if they don't receive the word that you bring, then you shake the dust off your feet on that city or town, and you take your peace with you. In the first piece of the scripture, we see that they will be dragged before councils by men. It says that family members will give up family members. So because you now believe the way, the way of Jesus, and it's contrary to what we believe in our religious society, there's a father in his same house, when his son says, hey, I'm now a follower of Jesus, he's like, no, let's drag you before the councils. So the love of a father to a son, the love of a mother to a daughter, will be trumped by a decision to follow Christ. It shows the loyalty to religion 
of the people in the house if they do that. It also says that children will give up their parents. So there's a situation where parents have come to the light, but the children are like, oh no, we need to get you out of this way of thinking. And it speaks of this division and this tension. He tells them, you will be hated for my namesake. He is making it clear to his disciples that this decision to follow him has a great cost. And he goes on in verse 28 and he says, they should not fear those who can kill the body. So he's saying, this will happen. But don't fear the people who will do this to you. Don't be afraid of them. Because they can only kill your body. What is Jesus saying? The incorruptible seed is more important than the corruptible. Can you see that? Jesus is more concerned about their spirit man than their physical man. And he's trying to tell them, they can only hurt your body. And I know some of you are going like, yeah, but that's really sore. I don't want to be tortured. It's only your body. What is Jesus saying? Have an eternal perspective. Don't have a temporary, temporal perspective. Have a heavenly, eternal perspective. He says, rather fear the one who's able to destroy both your body and your soul in hell. There's no hell. <clears throat> Jesus is talking about it. There is a hell. And God the Father is the decision maker of who goes there. In other words, do not base your life decisions on the fear of men or the opinion of men. Rather base your life decisions on what God says. This is what Jesus is saying. Follow me with loyalty to the point of hurt and death. But know that that is not as important as living for the one who holds your soul and your body and decides where it goes. And then we read how Jesus says, Therefore, Whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my father. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my father. This part starts with the word therefore. What does that mean? It means that it follows from the previous thought. What was the previous thought? That you are more valuable than sparrows. That he knows the number of hair on your head. Those of you who have hair. The rest, he knows how many follicles, okay. So, and I was asking Holy Spirit, how, how is there a connection between my value in your eyes and whether I confess you before men or deny you before men? Jesus is linking the value that we have in his eyes to us confessing him before men, which will lead to him in turn to confess us before the Father. I don't know about you, but what I see here is that our value in God's eyes is established and firm. He says we are valuable to Him, and that will not change. But whether we are confessed by Jesus to the Father is dependent on us confessing Jesus here on earth to men. Do you hear that? Your value doesn't change. But whether Jesus will confess you before the Father is dependent on, your, on our actions here on earth. So it would seem that even though we have intrinsic value, our eternal destiny is not determined by that value. It's rather determined by our loyalty 
to Jesus. Does that make sense? Do I need to explain it again? You got it? All right. Then Jesus continues with that thought. He says, he makes this upsetting statement. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and daughter against the mother and daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. How many of you struggle with that statement? No one. Okay. How many of you struggle with that statement? First, first we hear how you can be dragged before councils and persecuted for preaching the gospel, for, conf- for confessing Jesus. I'm going to try that again. <clears throat> first, we hear of how you can be dragged before councils and persecuted for preaching the gospel and for confessing Jesus before men. And now we see that Jesus says, He has not come to bring peace, but a sword. And it will specifically bring division between fathers and sons, daughters and mothers, daughters-in-law and mothers-in-law. He specifically states that he will bring division within the family unit, the nucleus of society. The very thing that we as a church holds as a high priority in our mission. We want to see marriages thrive and we want to see families do well. But it's clear from this that there will be a vision, sorry, it's clear that there will be a division between those family members who reject Jesus and the truth of the gospel and those who have given their lives to him. Can you see that? There is a division when it comes to the name of Jesus. And that is why we have such a big heart to see marriages thrive. Marriages where one serves God and the other one doesn't is a very difficult situation. Families where the father is not saved and the mother is saved, it's a struggle. Have you seen that? Can you agree? Okay. It is important to note that cultural Christianity will make this situation even harder. So let's say you have an obvious unbeliever in the house and a born-again believer in the house. It's a little bit more obvious what the tensions are. And the persecution will be a bit more in your face. But when the, let's say the mother is a cultural Christian, grew up in the cultural ways, goes to church, reads the Bible, she's got the dachstiki thing going, but she doesn't have a born again, she hasn't had a born again experience and she knows of Jesus, but she doesn't know Jesus personally, all right? And we have a daughter that went to a camp, for example, got born again for real, got baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, comes home with it, and she's a whole new creation and the mom's like, Who came home? Because this is not the daughter that I sent on a camp. All right? That situation. Because it's going to be more nuanced. I'm a Christian. No, I'm a Christian. (laughs) I mean, it gets tricky. I believe in Jesus. I also believe in Jesus. Okay, but let's match the fruit. And let's look at what the Word says and how you live. And let's see what the Word says and what you say. And then it gets tricky. Would you agree? All right. So the clash comes between the one who is truly born again and the one who is even an unbeliever or a cultural Christian stuck in traditions of men. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Okay, but wait a minute. Don't we have other scriptures in the Bible that says exactly the opposite? Have any one of you thought of that? Isaiah 9 verse 6, we read this around Christmas time. 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, or some translations say Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the last one, Prince of Peace. And that word in the Hebrew is Shalom. John 14, 27. Jesus is speaking to the same disciples. He told them, I did not come to bring peace. And then he says to them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 16, verse 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But, in the, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And if you're talking about parents and children, look at this verse, Exodus 20, verse 12. It's repeated in many areas, in, uh, in many verses in the Bible. But it's the commandment, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord God has given you. All right. I, went, I looked it up. The same word that we read in Matthew 10 for Jesus saying, I have not come to bring Peace, that same word peace, is exactly the same word in the Greek that he uses in John 14. So it's not a different kind of peace. So what is going on here? I have no idea. Let's go home. I'm kidding. Why do we see on the one hand, he's the prince of peace and he gives peace. But on the other hand, he categorically states he did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Why is this? Why do we have a commandment that says we should honor our father and mothers, but then Jesus says there will be division? I believe the key to answer to this question lies in verse 37 of Matthew 10. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And it's further explained in verse 38. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. As well as verse 39. He who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I believe what we have here is a question of loyalty. Jesus gave peace to his disciples in John 14. In Matthew 10, he says to them, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. When he refers to the division between father and son, mother and daughter, he's referring to the division that will come when one has been born again and the other hasn't. The one who is born again receives the peace of Jesus. The one who is not saved will look at the change, look at what this other saved person is saying, and there'll be a clash of spirits. And that will cause a lack of peace in the home. Can you see that? Who here, maybe it's awkward for you to answer, but who here has experienced that in their lives? Yeah. Got saved, radically born again, came home, told your parents I was baptized. And they were like, you were what? 
and it got awkward and there was division. And around the dinner table, who has had conversations about it? And it goes to religion and it goes to Jesus and it goes to the Bible and it goes to difficult things you talk about and it gets very awkward. Anyone? We read in the Bible that Jesus says, He is the rock of offense and a stumbling stone to those who do not believe. But he's a cornerstone, a foundation to those who do believe. So we have to know that there will be a division between the truly born again and the unbelievers. And we have to know that among the unbelievers are professing Christians, but they don't have the true knowledge of Jesus. They are cultural Christians. And I'm not saying this to make anyone feel bad. I'm putting the truth up. And I'm saying we have to deal with this. Because why would Jesus say, I give you peace, but then the same breath says, I've come to not bring peace, but a sword. When a mother does not believe in Jesus, if there's a and if she's a cultural Christian even, following blindly the doctrines, rules, and opinion of man, and is not born again, and her daughter does become born again, there will be a clash. There will be a division. And there will be a lack of peace between them. How many of the ladies here are willing to raise their hands to the following question? Who has a difficult or strained relationship with their mother-in-law? Anyone? Anyone? Okay few hands going up. Now, it may not necessarily be what Jesus is referring to in Matthew 10. He's referring to a division between believer and non-believer. Okay? But other divisions between mother-in-law and daughter-in-law can be personality clash. It can be because the mom is having a tough time letting her son go. It can even be because the son doesn't understand leaving and cleaving to his wife. And he still has a soul tie with his mom. And the two, it's creating this very weird dynamic. It could be that both or one has unresolved issues from their past. You guys will know that we have spoken about this so many times. When we get born again, that is step one. Step two is to walk a road of sanctification where we deal with our wounds from the past. Two weeks ago, we dealt with the wounds that we can get from our fathers, our earthly fathers. But we sit with these things. And if you have a a daughter coming from one home with a set of issues and a mother-in-law coming from her background and the two have issues, the two have personality clashes, you're going to, it's going to happen. And if you want to throw something else on the fire, you can throw that one is a believer and one is not. And then you have that sword as well. And it gets very interesting. I don't want to say amen, but that happens. Okay. Remember, Jesus is the word. He is the seed that brings new life. And the word of God is the Bible. Therefore, the Bible is our ultimate guide on how to do life. The opinion of man falls way short of the Word of God. When people are very convinced about what they believe, ask them, where do you get this? What do you base it on? What is the authority behind your statement that you're so excited about? What is it? 
if they can't show you that it's from the Bible and it's from a revelation of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, then it's just an opinion. It does not hold water in the presence of God. And Jesus says, uh, continuing on my previous thought, Jesus says it even, He did not come to bring peace but a sword. In Ephesians 6, when, he, when we read about the armor of God, we read that the sword is the Word, the Spirit of God. So if we link these two images, we can see that the truth of God's Word is a sword that can bring division, where one believes and the other does not. And it will bring division when one fears man and not God, but the other does. So the one thing that you will see about a cultural Christian is they fear man and man-made rules and traditions more than they fear God. They do. We may even have people in the charismatic movement who are completely born again. They are on the right path, but they still fear the opinion of man more. They fear more what man can do to them than they fear God. And it's back to loyalty. Where does your loyalty lie? Does your loyalty lie with God? Because when I say I love Him and I fear Him, that's where my loyalty lies. But when I say I love Him and I say I'm loyal to Him, but as soon as I'm in front of people, I deny Jesus by the way I speak, by what I allow to be spoken about in front of me, and how I handle those situations. We all need to ask ourselves, who are we loyal to? Where does my loyalty lie? Do I confess Jesus before men? Do I keep quiet and agree by inaction or omission? What do I say around a braai or dinner table when questions come up of Jesus, of hell and heaven, of sin, of eternity, of the church, politics, difficult issues in our day and age like abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism, sex before marriage, living together? What do we say when these things come up? Do we stand with the Word of God who is Jesus? Or do we just let people believe what they want and we don't confess Jesus in those difficult moments? Do not fear what man can do to your bodies. Fear the God who can destroy body and soul. I know it's difficult. I've been in those situations many times. We're sitting, there's a clash of spirits. People are talking about stuff they know nothing about. They are so cocky in their arrogance because they've read some book and you go, you are so wrong. And you have those people that, that are, they're very charismatic and convincing. So they, they even sound like they might be right. And you go, well, you must be right because you sound very convincing. Don't, don't be that Christian. Know the word of God so well. Know the voice of God so well by spending time with him that when you are in the presence of people who do that, you will know what is right and what is wrong. And Jesus gives us an instruction, instruction as we go out. Be as wise as serpents and gentle as, gentle as a dove. What does that mean? It means that when we are in those difficult conversations, those sort of apologetic conversations or these difficult situations, especially if you're up against a cultural Christian who thinks they know what they're talking about, 
You need the Holy Spirit to give you the words you need to speak in that moment. We need to always bring truth in love. So it's not about bashing people over the head with the Bible. It's not that. Remember, they are unbelievers. They need to be loved and shown the truth of the Word of God. But you also don't have to be a floor mat. Know who you are in Christ. Know that you carry authority. Know that you, if you know the Word of God, you stand on the Word of God, then you can be that man. I recently spoke, I recently spoke to a friend here in church, and he said he has had this situation of a clash with someone who's actually a leader in a church, but that he's so stuck in cultural Christianity, he can actually not look this guy in the eye. Because their spirits clash. And we need to be those people who, who don't let the world sway us from who we are in Christ. I know this is difficult, but the language of Jesus is very clear. He's not creating a gray picture. He's making it very black and white. Would you agree? So the, the difficult thing before all of us today is when we read the scripture... And I know all of us want to read those great promises in the Word of God and go, yes, amen, hallelujah, glory, and then go home. But we have to deal with these things as well. Because this is where true spiritual character is birthed. So I want you to keep that in mind. That where is our loyalty? With the time that I have left, which is not any time, but I, I do want to bring in the very important relationship of daughters and mothers specifically. And if you are a, a man here today and you also have a challenging relationship with your mom, I'm not excluding you, all right? But I'm just going to focus in my language on moms and daughters, mothers-in-law, daughters-in-law. So some of you may be stuck in these kind of relationships that's very difficult. You might actually sit here and struggle with not feeling hatred. Maybe it's that strong. Or maybe it's just like, I don't like this person. I avoid her at all costs. Maybe it's more subtle. Like you just tolerate each other. You're just civil. Who likes that tension? <laughs> yes. Tolerance and civility is not love. It's just not. It is us just putting a timer on our patience with someone. God calls us to loving one another with His brand of love, which is unconditional, sacrificial, and serving. He does not only call us to love each other, but, oh, sorry, He doesn't only call us to love each other, the ones that are easy to love, the ones that are in church and speaking the same language. He calls us to love our neighbor and he was, when he told the story of the Samaritan, the Samaritans, the Jews hated the Samaritans. So he was telling you to say, your neighbor is every other person around you. And he also said, we must love our enemies. So you cannot get away from loving your mom-in-law because she's another person. She's your neighbor. And if you think she's your enemy, Jesus says you have to love all three. So you can't get away. You have to love I know, this is difficult. <laughs> so there, there is no wiggle room. If you confess to be a Christian 
And you do not like or even hate your mother. Or if you're a mother and you hate your daughter or your daughter-in-law, whatever the, the thing is, and you say you're a Christian but you hate, you are lying. That's what 1 John says. In the book of 1 John, you can go read it. He says, if you say I love God but I hate people, you lie. Oh. I believe God wants to come and bring supernatural healing today in the lives of mothers and daughters specifically. Once again, I'm not excluding the sons, but this is a moment we want to create. And I want to make it practical. So the one area I've referred to this earlier is baggage. Each of you in this mother-daughter relationship carry some form of baggage from your past, and it defines you and leads your decision-making. I would like to encourage you, if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to my message called Leave Your Luggage Attended. We talk about how we deal with our past and how we, in a healthy way, don't let it be dragged through our lives. Because many of the fights that you may have or the little manipulative jabs or the gossip or there's just the general vibe that we get are linked back to unresolved baggage. All right, that's step number one. Then there is the sword of Jesus, the situation we've been talking about most of this morning. It could be that there's a division between parent and child because the one is born again and the other is not. And we can trust that the as important as it is to honor our fathers and mothers, because this is something that a, a cultural Christian parent can throw in your face the whole time. He says, you're not honoring me as your father. But then you can say, I've, not, I've done nothing, nothing dishonoring because I have to still put God first. Because remember, even though honor your father and mother is a commandment, the first commandment is you will have no other gods before me. And you will love God first with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Loyalty to God first. We will always treat our parents with respect and love, but that doesn't mean I have to do everything they say if it's, a, if it's contrary to the word of God. Does that make sense? All right. And obviously there can be a worst case scenario when the mother will turn on the daughter where it has far worse consequences. In some countries, if the daughter is born again and the mother will actually give her up to the authorities. And we've heard of horrible things like honor killings and whatever it might be. Anyway, those are some of those things we can find ourselves in. And I, I don't know where you find yourself today. Even those people online. I don't know where you are as a daughter or a mother. But I believe God wants to come. And he wants to firstly establish for all of us where does our loyalty lie. And secondly, wants to bring healing and wholeness between moms and daughters, mothers-in-laws, daughters-in-laws. And I want you to know, you may not be able to change your mom. Or you may not be able to change your daughter, but the Holy Spirit can. Instead of fighting each other, remember our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the Spirit. And religion and cultural Christianity is a spirit that has a grip on people. And we can come against that and cancel that. In the meantime, you just love well. You love like Jesus. Not a pretentious, false humility love. A real man, I love you. Because Jesus loves you. 
Remember, he says, we are valuable to him. That person that you may not like or even hate is valuable to God. Let's love them the way Jesus will love them. Even though they are not loyal to him, he still loves them. But there's a moment where we all have to make a decision. Okay, so let us stand. Let us come before God. I want to make a few different invitations to today as we come before Jesus. Let us just stand and ready your hearts. Let's close our eyes and let's just be very real and vulnerable before Jesus. So firstly, I want all of us to have a moment to to respond to this first thing. And that is, I realize that I have denied Christ before men before. And to choose to repent, to choose to only be loyal to God, to never do that again, and to trust the Holy Spirit to always give me the words to say in difficult situations. All right, so let us do that. If that's you today, well, we can, we can actually just all do this, but I, I want you to pray after me. Lord Jesus, today I choose to repent for every time that I have denied you before men. Jesus, I'm sorry for not being loyal to you every day of every hour. Holy Spirit, come and help me to never do that again. Help me to have the wisdom, to have the right words for every circumstance before men. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Secondly, if this applies to you, I realize I'm a cultural Christian that put more emphasis on human traditions and man-made rules than the Word of God. And I want to repent and give my life to Jesus today. If that is you today, if you realize, shucks, maybe I am stuck in that place and the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart today, if you want to give your life to Christ, please just raise your hand. I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that. Thank you. Come forward, brother. Come forward. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right. Let's give him a round of applause as he comes to Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Drie keer zal jij net achter die man kom staan, alsjeblieft. Thanks. Let's all pray together with him. Lord Jesus, today I choose to give my life to you. You are my God. I will only be loyal to you and none else. Help me, Jesus, to live for you. Lord, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And you are my Savior. I say thank you for dying for me on a cross. I accept that. I believe that. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs)
Welcome to the kingdom, brother. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you can go sit down. We'll chat to you afterwards. All right. Let's close our eyes and focus on Jesus. If this applies to you, we want to give you an opportunity today. I am a mother or a mother-in-law struggling with a daughter or a daughter-in-law that doesn't believe in Jesus. And it brings tension and division. If that's you, just raise your hand because I want to pray with you and for you. If there's a mother who has a daughter that's a prodigal daughter maybe. Is there a mother with a son? A son that she wants to come to Jesus. If that's you online even, we want to pray for you. There's no one raising their hands right now. I'm just going to pray anyway. Lord Jesus, I pray for every daughter that is represented here or online that has not given her life to Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you will reach out to that daughter, to each and every one of them, that you will tug on their hearts, that they will know you are speaking to them. And I pray that whatever is holding them back from giving their lives to you, that they will repent and run into your arms. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. All right, the next one is, maybe you're a daughter struggling with a mom who is either a cultural Christian who pushes against your beliefs, there's division there, or you're just struggling with the spirit of manipulation and intimidation or controlling ways. Are there any daughters or daughters-in-law who are struggling with that today? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let us pray for them and let's agree. Lord Jesus, today I want to bring these daughters before you. They are your daughters first. You love them. They are valuable to you. And Lord, I pray right now that you will come and do a mighty work in the relationships they have with their moms or mothers-in-law by bringing your spirit into that space. I pray, Holy Spirit, for the salvation of those mothers. I pray that the scales on their eyes from religion will fall away, that they will have a mighty encounter with Jesus, the living God, that they will see the light, that every tradition of man will fall away, that they will have a deep encounter with your word that will bring them to salvation, and that that will be the catalyst for a healthy, whole, beautiful relationship. I pray that in Jesus' name. I want to give these daughters an opportunity to forgive their moms. Just repeat after me. First of all, I want you to picture that mother standing before you. And then I want you to say after me, Mom, 
the way you speak to me, the way you handle me, the things you do, the manipulation you do, all of it hurts, Lord. It hurts, Mom. It hurts. But today, by the power of Jesus, the leading of the Holy Spirit, I choose to forgive you and to set you free in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. I just feel the Holy Spirit wants to deal with some sons who have not left their moms and their fathers to cleave to their wives. The Bible says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. That's a very important step that needs to take place. All the men here who are married, who know, you know, there's tension between your mom and your wife. And you realize today you may be the cause because you haven't laid down that soul tie. You haven't left your mom and cleaved to your wife alone. I want to give you an opportunity as well. All right. Let's just close our eyes. If that's you, just pray with me. Lord Jesus, today I choose to repent of not leaving my mom and father to cleave to my wife. I cut off every unhealthy soul tie with my mother and my father. And I pray that you will bring a wholeness and a healing to my relationship with my wife to restore it like it never was before. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Lord, as we bring this meeting to a close, I thank you for your word. Your Lord, it cuts. It cuts, but it brings life and it brings freedom. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us. I pray right now that you will seal this word and this truth in every heart that is listening. I pray that even as we go from here and we may have these conversations immediately again, that we will remember to never deny you before men. That we will always move in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. That we will love well, but never compromise on our devotion to you. Help us, Lord, to carry the cross and follow you. Because I want to be worthy of you. I want to be worthy of you. I believe we all want to be worthy of you. So, Lord, we lay down our will. We lay down fear of man. And we choose to fear only you. And we choose to live only for you. And we pray that in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you, family. We love you so much. You're amazing. Have a wonderful Sunday and a great week. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.